0: Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali, and I'm here virtually with Nisreen, and this is episode number 12, Composting, Food for Thought. Composting is a way to turn food scraps and organic waste into reusable soil and fertilizer.
1: Instead of us describing the process, we have two interviews that can better explain this concept for our listeners.
0: Our first interview is with Ben Perry the CEO of Compost Crew, a compost collection company based out of the D.C. Maryland area. Later in the month, we will have an interview with Corinne Coe of Terra Nova Compost, a composting education company.
1: Additionally, we encourage all of our listeners to participate in composting and separating the food scraps to be collected. If you would like to do so in Atlanta, Compost Now is a service that does the collection.
0: And if you want to bring your scraps to a facility, the Wild Center has a facility in Oakhurst Garden that is always open for your organic waste. You can find more about these things on our website at talkgreentomepodcast.wordpress.com. And now here is our interview with Ben.
2: Before we really get started talking about compost crew, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into sustainability?
3: I'd be happy to. I originally... Funnily enough, I, I was involved in professional soccer, so I, I felt that my mission in life was to help soccer become big in America. And so I did that for a few years, and then I realized that I wasn't quite making the impact that I want to make on this planet. And so did a lot of searching and went back to business school, and eventually broke into the renewable energy industry. So I spent. A long time there, built my built my career in renewable energy, and after um, about 10 years or so, decided to take on a new challenge, and I got involved in composting and organics recycling, and that's what led me to compost grow.
2: That's really different than uh, professional soccer. That's actually really fascinating.
3: Yeah, it was an interesting career switch, but I'm happy I did it.
2: Uh, so... In terms of Compost Crew, how did you kind of get involved with them and how did they get started?
3: So just as a quick overview, the Compost Crew is a a locally owned business that's based in Rockville, Maryland, and it provides clean, convenient, and affordable composting services to thousands of homes, businesses, and organizations in Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Northern Virginia. Company collects food scraps and other organic material and it transports it to a local facility where it becomes compost. And compost is a valuable soil amendment that is known as black gold. The company started back in 2011 when two friends in Montgomery County, Maryland, they they borrowed a pickup truck and started collecting food scraps from homes. And then over the years, forward-thinking local governments started catching on and helped the company grow. And the momentum has continued to build as people realize organics recycling is really the next frontier of waste management.
1: How did they grow?
3: So the primary way that they attracted new customers was by attending farmers markets and letting people know about this great new service that was offered that could help people recycle their food scraps.
1: Is So the overall goal, would you say, is to convert or recycle food scraps it's to sort of eliminate that waste from landfill
3: yeah so really our underlying mission is to protect the planet by eliminating food waste and revitalizing the earth's soil and we do that by helping people businesses and organizations recycle their food scraps and create compost so really there are two two problems that are related to each other but you know, eliminating food waste, we waste a lot of food, and that contributes to wasted economic activity, contributes to climate change as well. The, the other part of our mission, revitalizing the Earth's soil, we are extracting nutrients from our soil to make food um, and for other development activities. And we aren't, in many cases, putting those soil, putting the nutrients back into the soil.
1: How does that work in terms of, so you've got um, like a household and they they sign up, what do they need to do?
3: So, so the way that it works is that people at home or at their workplace, they separate their food waste from other trash and from their recycling. So non-organic material like bottles, cans, plastic, styrofoam, that will be recycled or it will go to a landfill or an incinerator. Then those same people, they collect their organic material banana peels, coffee grounds, wasted meat and bones, even plant-based material like greasy pizza boxes or paper towels, or you know even hair and fingernail clippings. That those are organic and compostable. So that material will go into a separate bucket. So for a home, we will give a, a small 5 or 12 gallon bucket that has a secure lid, or for businesses, they have bigger bins that the organic material goes into. So, we will collect that material, so from homes we usually collect weekly, and from businesses it can be every day of the week, so all of that material, which is organic matter and full of nutrients, that goes to a nearby compost facility.
0: So once the material reaches the facility, what happens with all the food scraps that have been collected?
3: At the facility, the material that we collect, which we call green material, is mixed with what we call brown material. primarily. Leaves, wood chips, and other yard waste. So, that mix, along with proper levels of water and air, feeds microorganisms and slightly larger macroorganisms like worms. And then, through a natural process, these tiny organisms break down the material into compost. We actually return compost to our customers as part of the subscription fee to our services.
2: Um, what about residential customers, they may not need compost, do, you, do they like donate it somewhere or do you just give it to somebody else in that case?
3: Yeah, they have the option, they have the option to donate it to a, a local organization or a community garden.
1: That's okay. actually really cool that you can take your own waste and then get it back to you in like a, a very usable form and maybe you can, you know, make more food or grow something in your backyard or it's really neat. you can at the beginning and end of that loop.
3: Yeah, it's very exciting. I I myself am a customer and I I use the compost to build a a pollinator garden in my backyard. So now we have hummingbirds and, and butterflies that are partially powered by the compost.
1: That's awesome. I also didn't realize that you could like compost meat or like nails and hair, because we have a we have a compost um, where I'm living right now, and I just assumed that those were not things that could go in compost. So it's kind of fascinating to hear that you know, yeah, that is organic matter, and yes, it can also be converted into useful things. I have a lot of hair, so.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, so you should be careful though, because if you're doing it in your backyard it's, we usually advise not to put meat or dairy products in your backyard because that w- that may attract rodents if it's not done properly. And also it just, usually backyard compost bins cannot get hot enough to break some of that stuff down. So where we take it, it's a larger scale commercial compost facility where it's professionally managed and the piles get very, very hot and that's what breaks down breaks everything down within a reasonable time frame, also kills the pathogens and the weed seeds. So if you're doing it in your backyard, you usually want to keep it to the fruits and vegetable and uh, avoid the meats and the dairy.
1: And so also you can end up, you know, from using your service and this process, you can really divert even more waste that you would be making than if you were just trying to do this yourself in your backyard.
3: Exactly, and that's what a lot of our customers do actually, including myself, so I'll, I'll send our banana peels and our coffee grinds to our, our backyard bin and then I'll put our chicken bones and fish skins and things like that into our compost group bin.
1: So I guess along um, those lines, what are some of the main challenges with composting at home and with your process or in general?
3: So I think, in, in my view, there's really three main challenges and I'm thinking about it in terms of rolling it out to everybody. The first challenge is that habits are hard to break. It is very easy and inexpensive to throw things in your trash. We've been doing it for decades and that's how we were trained from young children. So separating food waste from other waste is new for most people.
2: We actually just started um, trying to compost at home where we collect a bunch of stuff. And yeah, it's been challenging because we, don't subscribe to any of the services we actually just take it to a community garden so we have just been collecting things in our freezer and oftentimes we forget or we don't know what to put in there kind of thing so it is very easy to just like throw everything in the trash but we're trying to consciously make sure we put it aside
3: good so so yeah the second challenge it's really the yuck factor And you've solved one of the problems with the yuck factor is if if you're not getting your food scraps picked picked up right away or you forget to take it somewhere you know putting it into the freezer is a good way to eliminate the odors and slow down that process but many people are are not really willing to go that extra mile but a lot of it is just pure perception so even though we throw food away into the trash can all the time People just don't like the idea of putting food waste into a separate container that's designed for food waste. We need to change that perception. Another challenge is cost and accessibility. So, you know, anyone with, it, with a yard can compost for low cost. If you have used pallets or wood planks, you can put together a, a simple compost bin for your backyard. But not everyone has a yard, or they like the convenience of having someone do the composting for them. So in those cases, companies like ours can can set up curbside collection programs, but we're still far from the point where we are reaching a mass market, and because of that, the density of our collection routes is still lower than the density of many trash collection routes. So our marginal transportation costs are higher than those of trash collectors, and really this is just a matter of time. You know these costs are going to continue to decrease as more people sign up for food scraps collection services and we have we get more density in any given neighborhood
1: so like say you meet your neighbor like how would you convince someone who's not really interested in sustainability or doesn't think about these things to start thinking about you know collecting compost
3: you know my neighbor doesn't even recycle paper bottles and cans yet so i have some work to do but in general there there's a few reasons why individuals decide to compost One, of course, it's good for the environment. Two, it reduces the amount of trash that you send to the landfill and can help you save money on your trash bill. Many of our customers tell us that their trash volume dropped by 25 to 50% once they started composting with us. Number three, separating food scraps for composting is actually cleaner. You're sorting food waste into a bin with a secure lid that is designed for food waste instead of throwing it into the trash bin. So you don't have to throw a trash bag that is only half full because it's giving off a bad smell. And lastly, we give compost back as part of our subscription. So when you sign up for our service, you get to participate in the full cycle. The other thing I'll say is that when we think about educating our neighbors to start composting, we really need to think about educating our children as well. They are still forming habits, and if we can teach them good habits now, they will continue for life. The school my kids attend does not offer composting yet, but my kids do not like throwing food waste into the trash, so my wife and I will find orange rinds, banana peels, and other scraps that they've stuffed in their lunchbox or backpacks and kept with them the whole day just to throw it in our compost bin at home.
1: That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's great.
2: Is there something you're working on to make this more accessible just to general people or even to different companies that are currently not composting?
3: That's what we strive to do. That's our strategy is to try to offer clean and convenient composting solutions for everyone. We really are just need to roll it out to more people and organizations. We have good case studies with local multifamily buildings, with local office buildings, and now it's just a matter of people learning that this this is real. Now I have to get over those, you know, I have to change my habits, I have to learn how to do it, I have to convince my employees that this this is not yucky, this is something that is easy to do and and helpful for our planet. There's a lot more customers like that that we are reaching now. So I think it a lot of it's just a matter of time, but there are some areas where government policies can help. For one, the cost of throwing away trash needs to increase. Landfills and incinerators poison our air with methane emissions and other pollutants, and they pollute our water. And these costs are not fully passed on to people and businesses that generate the trash. And similarly, we, we should allow people to save money for reducing the amount of trash that they generate and we need to make heavy generators pay more. Right now, costs are typically spread evenly across the board via tax bills. The the Washington City Paper recently published an article showing that the District of Columbia has spent over $54 million of taxpayer dollars since 2010 by undercharging private trash haulers. So that's a lot of money that could have gone towards advancing organics recycling and composting. Another thing that we need to do is decrease the cost of recycling, food waste, and composting. So, we need more communities, local governments, and businesses to collaborate on education and outreach campaigns to increase demand for composting services. And then that increased demand will continue driving down the cost, which in turn will attract more to the cause. So, we need a lot of those solid waste and and zoning policies to catch up. Otherwise, the lack of- Infrastructure is going to hold back our ability to roll out composting to the masses.
2: So in in terms of what people or what companies can do, are there petitions going out to local governments? Or um, how, how, how are they making this a little more known to local governments that this is something that needs to be addressed?
3: A lot of it is being driven at the grassroots. So just from our example, like I mentioned, you know, this company was started by people who wanted to do the right thing. So the first thing they did was to sign up for a, a local compost collection service. And there's a lot of companies like ours around the area or around the around the nation. So that's a very simple step that that listeners can do to get involved. But talking to council members, talking, you know, um, working with local Sierra Club or other environmental chapters we in Maryland have recently formed a compost advocacy coalition which includes businesses like ours restaurants citizens associations just people that want to get involved to help pass legislation at the local state and and federal level yeah,
2: those okay. are... that's great it's good that there are people that really want to change this and are doing something about it. Is there anything else that you know about that you know food scraps and waste can do instead of making you know compost and fertilizer, or is that the primary focus of this right now?
3: The primary alternative to composting is anaerobic digestion, which uses organic waste to generate electricity or renewable natural gas. Uh, the, the key downside versus composting is that it requires a much higher capital investment than composting. There are also technologies that market themselves as, t- as composting technologies, but really are dehydrators. And what they do is remove the moisture from food waste, and leave, that leaves you with an unstable dry material. So if you were to add water back to that, since you're just dehydrating it, it becomes nasty food waste again and can grow mold and attract vectors and and released odor. So the difference there between composting is that composting is a properly cured, stable material that you can add into home gardens or or farms. And then we're also learning a lot more about how compost helps sequester carbon.
1: For our listeners um, across the US, how can they get involved in composting, um, finding companies like yours, Um, I know you gave a few general ideas of reaching out to your local government, um, but what would be the best thing to get involved?
3: (laughs) I'd say first, if you have a backyard, you can start composting your food scraps immediately. So the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, ILSR, they have plenty of educational materials that can help you get started. I set up a simple three-bin system in my backyard with used pallets. So it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. If you don't have a yard or you just want to get started quickly with curbside collection, it's very easy to get started with us or another composting company in your area. So if you're in Maryland, DC, Virginia, you can sign up on our website, compostcrew.com. Or if you're already composting at home with a service and and you want to spread the word, you you can start a composting program for your neighborhood or your business.
0: Do you have any
2: kind of fun fact um, about composting or in this general area to kind of end with?
3: I think something I was reading the other day, not necessarily fun, but it's a fact. Um, The latest official estimate from a multilateral body that I've seen is that around 1 million species already face extinction, many within decades. And these extinctions are primarily caused by human activity. But one of the interesting things is that we actually have no clue how many species of living things exist on Earth. So a common estimate earlier this decade was that around, there was around 9 million living species on this Earth. But now, estimates range from approximately 5 million to 100 million or more, up to a trillion. And that's that's a huge discrepancy. A lot of that discrepancy comes from the fact that we are still learning about microbes that exist in the soil and elsewhere. But you know, if we don't know how many species there are, then how can we possibly predict the extent of the hum, the harm that human activity is inflicting on our planet? So to me, there's a couple takeaways. One, there are countless living things in our soil that all have a small part in supporting life on Earth. Think about these microorganisms next time you dump chemicals on your lawn to make your grass a darker shade of green. Small thoughts will go a long way. The second key takeaway for me is that we have a lot to learn. So as a society, we waste so much time on things that are not very important in the long term. We can use a lot of that time to educate ourselves and our children about nature and the living things who share the Earth with us. Or take simple actions that make a difference, like planting pollinator gardens, or run a podcast that educates people about so many different um, things that you can do to, to help the planet and be more sustainable. So what, what you all are doing is is um, is great.
2: Thanks. We're we're excited about you know trying and getting more people to kind of think about the planet more as well. So
1: yeah, for sure. And I think like. Uh, A big takeaway from this interview for me is, like you said, to think about the microorganisms. And like we're material scientists, so we're always thinking about the materials that like we synthetically make or um, natural materials that we're extracting. But I never think about, you know, what's in the soil, what's living in it, and what do they require to live and grow and thrive and how that helps us. So. We really hope that
2: people learn a little bit about composting and kind of understand the concept of composting a little bit better and obviously get over the yuck factor and, you know, their habits to try and do this a little bit more. And that
1: that food is recyclable, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah, well, thank thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. I, I really appreciate it.
1: This episode was produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. It was edited by Nasreen Khan and Manali Banerjee. Music by Sassy Boy Records. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TGTM Podcast. Or email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.